Tell them you got to wear comfortable shoes if you're going to run with me. Hallelujah. You got to. I know the, our, our security team, they, they do a, like, they have like a fitness training. You might have to get the praise team in on a security team fitness training. <laughs> you going to run with us, man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My baby loaned me her shopper's anointing yesterday. She transferred it to me. I, we had to go, you know, she's now going to wear some shoes that's going to help her in this total therapy. You know, she's, because she can, this is, this is a long way from, from just three days ago. You got to understand, this is, she couldn't do anything, but God has miraculously done this. And so as she totally gets that thing where she can be running around here, because she told the doctor she's going to run. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what my, what my wife told the doctor. We, so we went to the orthopedic surgeon, right? This, this is the first trip there. And so the doctor walks in, and I'm sitting there, and he says, okay, uh, so tell me what, what, what do you do? What do you, what do you enjoy doing? What do you do? And she says, she says, well, I wear high heels and I dance. I said, no, 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 no. Talk about church. In church, she wears, likes to wear high heels and dance in church. I was like, Ugh. what kind of visit is this? Praise the Lord. But uh, so she had to, anyway, we had to go buy some high tops. She's never worn before high tops. And they were like, what, $180 online, and they had a sale, $130, whatever it was, $140 on sale. And she found one pair in all of the Bay Area. And, of course, you know, I got to go get them. And she wrote with me, thank God. And uh, so we w went over to the mall, International, and go in there in the store, and they found one pair in the whole store. The one pair in the whole store was her size. The one pair in the whole store was one size, and they were $54. Not $180, not $104 on sale. It, it showed $140 on sale. Okay, we're going to get them because, I mean, I got to go all the way with this thing. So I'm not, I'm not going to complain about what stuff costs because I want my baby totally well. $54. I said, praise that shopper's anointing. Just me. Amen. Are you in Romans 8.32? Romans 8.32? You're not? I didn't tell y'all Romans 8.32? Okay, well, y'all didn't know that? Glory to God. We'll just we'll just get get a little bit of this today. I won't I won't go too far. I understand it's the, the hour and so forth. We still want to serve communion to to you today. So I'll, I'll go I'll go to your to the Lord says all right that's it. Okay. Romans eight thirty two. In fact, I want to start with verse thirty one. Let's start with verse thirty one. My apologies to the media. I didn't give you that. Let's start with verse thirty one. Okay. Because this is just as important as verse 32. Okay, verse 31 and 32 of Romans 8 says this. In fact, let's read it together. Ready to read. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely give us all things. So if God is for us, 
God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, then how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So we're continuing today on the subject, God has something for you. Tell your neighbor, God has something for you. Lord, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. Sanctify, Lord, the word. Lord, sanctify our hearts, O oh God. Today we set our hearts ready in readiness to receive the word of God. We receive it, Lord, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, your word, which will work effectively in everyone who believes. Today we believe and we receive. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, take your seats today. All right, we, we were talking here from this verse before from Philippians 2.13. Uh, in the last few messages where the Bible talks about it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in you. Everybody say in you. In Matter of fact, say in me. in me. Okay, so I gave you this on last Sunday, just a quick review here, that the main way God begins to work in you is through the seed of his word. Okay, how many, know, how many of you know that the word of God is the seed? We talk so often about seed being your finances, but the primary seed is, your, is the word of God. You understand that? In fact, your seed of finances has no weight to it if you don't have the seed of the word in you. The more, most important seed is the word of God on the inside of you. Okay, so God takes that seed of the word, plants it on the inside of you and me so that we can uh, grow up and get a transformed image on the inside. Okay, what the Bible calls in the Gospels the word of the kingdom. You read Matthew 13, also you read Mark chapter 4, also you read Luke chapter 8. The Bible calls it the word of the kingdom. Everybody say the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. So what happens? When you get the seed of the word of the kingdom on the inside of you, then what grows up is a kingdom tree or a kingdom image. You got it? Glory to God. I don't want to go back too much review of this, him working in you. But you understand, that's why you got to get the seed of the word in you. To do something externally without having something done on the inside of you is to no avail. Because if you do something externally without the word of God being on the inside of you internally, then it'll just be short-lived. It's, it's, in other words, you ever, you ever seen people, they do something but it's just like faking it? If your heart isn't in it. You should have told me so, right? So you have to, you have to, come back, now you here. So you have to have the word of God inside you to transform you inside and then that manifests on the outside. So God works in us through his word both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So what happens when you get the word of the kingdom, everybody say the word of the kingdom. When you get the word of the kingdom on the inside of you, you begin to think and see on a different level. Yes, sir. It's very easy for me to tell people who've not gotten the word of the kingdom on the inside of them because they don't think on a different level. They don't see on a different level. They still think and see like mere men. They, they, don't, they don't see um, um, ex unlimited opportunities. They see obstacles. Come on this side. People who don't have the word of the kingdom inside them, they always see obstacles. They always see the opposition. They always see the trouble. They always see the problem. But when you get the word of the kingdom on the inside of you, you don't see opposition. You see opportunity. You see, man, it's a chance for God to do something big. You, pe people with the word of the kingdom look at a pandemic like, okay, 
What's about to happen? Something about to happen. Oh, y'all not saying. If you don't have the word of the kingdom, you look at a pandemic and you're like, oh, Lord, we got to go hide. But when you have the word of the kingdom, you're saying it's an opportunity for God to do something. We need to be listening out for God. What would you have me to do in this season? You hear what I'm saying to you? Okay, so in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, a scripture I love very much. In Mark 1, 15, it's the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry, and he comes along preaching this word, and he says, and he said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, that word repent does not mean primarily turn from your sins. It means change how you think. Repent. Anybody know Spanish in here? Anybody know Spanish? What, what's the, what's the, the Spanish word? Thank you, sir. The Spanish word for think, my daughter's taking Spanish right now. Somebody help her out in Lord Jesus' name. The Spanish word for think is pensar, right? Pent, pent, okay? So re mean, repent means to rethink. Y'all have heard me preach this before. Okay, so to think again. So the kingdom of God is at hand, think again. Or change how you think. Don't think the way you've been thinking before. You got to see and think with different eyes, with a different mindset when you're talking about the kingdom of God. Y'all got it? Okay, now, I want to give you a couple scriptures that, uh, one scripture I gave you before last week, uh, Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. Because to think on a different level, we got to see on a different level. How many of know the scripture? Don't turn to it. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you are what you think. Tell your neighbor, you are what you think. You are what you think. Mm. It got quiet right there. You are what you think. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you think you're a grasshopper, that's what kept the children of Israel initially out of the promised land. They thought they were grasshoppers. As they thought, so they were. But if you think you're a giant, come here, David. Right? First Samuel 17. David's facing a giant, and he doesn't think anything of it. He thinks he's a giant. He said, man, I'm going to slay you today. I'm going to cut your head off today. And ran straight at him. Right? See, so you got to think differently. That's what the word of the kingdom does on the inside of you. So then Psalm 119, verse 18, here's what the word of the Lord says. Open my eyes that I may see what? Wondrous things. Wondrous things from your law, we say the word of God. So in the word of God, there are wondrous things here. If you don't have a kingdom mindset, you can't see wondrous things. So I need God to open our eyes so we can see wondrous things, see magnificent, see glorious things that are in the word of God. Okay? Now let me give you two more scriptures along that line here. Give me Psalm 72 and verse 18. Psalm 72 and verse 18. Write it down, but look on the screen. Psalm 72 and verse 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does what kind of things? Now, he said, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of your word, out of your law. So then it says here, God only does wondrous things. So whatever you see in God's word is wondrous, it's magnificent, it's, it's big, it's huge. 
But I got to be able to see that. And then, then we say, bless God who only does wondrous things. So I've got to be able to see wondrous things that God has in store that God wants to do or that God is doing. Got it? Okay, let's give you one more. Psalm 86, verse 10. Psalm 86, verse 10. Write it down, but let's look at it on the screen here. Psalm 86 and verse 10. Hallelujah. says here, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. So we see here twice. How many of you know the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word is established? So we see here twice that the Bible says God does. One verse said he only does wondrous things. How many of y'all need something wondrous done in your life? How many of y'all desire something wondrous done in your life? Well, God has more wondrous things than you can imagine because the Bible says he is able to do, come on, exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Give me that verse, uh, Ephesians 3.20. Give it to me in the Amplified Bible. Ephesians 3, verse 20, Amplified Bible. Glory to God. Ephesians 3, verse 20, in the Amplified. Tell your neighbor, he only does wondrous things. Let's watch this. Ephesians 3.20 from the Amplified Classic. You can call it that because this is they got a new Amplified. I'm not really one. It says, now to him who by consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. How many of y'all dare ask God for something? How dare you ask God for that? Because he told you to. How dare you ask God for a husband or a wife? How dare you ask God for a child? How dare you ask God for a million dollars? How dare you ask God for a house? How dare you ask God for the nations? Because he told you to in Psalm number two, ask for the nations and I'll give you the heathen as your inheritance. Ask for the ends of the earth as your possession. Y'all ever read Psalm two? Ask for the ends of the earth as your possession? Ask for land. Ask for territory. He told us to do it. So we dare to ask or think, and he says, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. You got it? And it's according to the power that works on the inside of us, okay? Now, so God only does wondrous things. Tell your neighbor, he only does wondrous things. Now tell, tell your neighbor this. Say, look at me. I'm one of those wondrous things. Psalm 139, put up this on Psalm 139, verse 14. I'm going to prove to you that he only does wondrous things, and every time you look in the mirror, you're proof of it. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So every time, Jasmine, you look in the mirror. Come on now. Somebody help me out. Michelle, every time you look in the mirror, you need to say, you know what? God only does wondrous things. Right? No, I'm just messing with you. Right? God only does wondrous things. If you just think about your system, you are a system of systems, a complex system of systems that man cannot duplicate. God only does wondrous things. How many of y'all have your heart beating right now? 
right now. Your heart is beating. You're sure about it? What are you doing to make that happen? Nothing. It's involuntary. You're breathing right now. Is anybody going? No, it's all involuntary. God has made you wonderfully. Some of y'all, you don't notice, but your nails are growing right now. Your nails are growing right now. What are you doing to make it happen? Nothing. They're just growing. Some of you, your hair is growing right now. Some of you. God only does wonderful things. Now, I just gave that to prove to you that God is in the wondrous or the wonderful business. And that's the only level of toy that God operates at. Did you catch what I said? That's the only level at which God operates is at wonderful. So he wants us to understand if that's his level, then we have to change our thinking. Remember I said from Mark 1.15, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So change our thinking, rethink to a wonderful level. So don't approach God with a less than wonderful um, uh, requisition. The Bible says, with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right? So, get your requests at a wonderful level. Y'all ain't saying anything to me. Some, some of us are just requesting too little. We're requesting too small. And that's why it fails. Small, you do that. Small, you just do the best you can. But he wants us to request at a wonderful level, and what will happen is, I told you this last week, all the small gets sucked into the big. I've given you this example before, but Chris, Chris DeBose, back to you, because I got a bunch of Chris's in here. I got them a bunch of Chris. Chris, if you came to me and said, Pastor, hey, uh, listen, uh, I'm short on change, and I want to get some lunch. Do you have $5, right? If I said, uh, no, I don't have a five, but I got 100 would you say, well, no, I, no, I don't want that. <laughs> you're going to get it? You're going to get that? Why? Because the five is in the hundred. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if I said, look, man, I don't, I don't carry $5 bills. I don't carry anything that small. All I carry is hundreds. What you going to say? Well, that's right. I'm going to ask somebody else. Oh, you get up. I thought you were about to come get a hundred. Okay, I'm going to shoot. Here, come on. No, no, not you. I'm talking about him. There's fives in there. So you can have to threw me off right there. Okay. So I'm, gonna, I'm about to call security. <laughs> um, so he does wondrous things. 
big things for us. And I'm teaching this morning on the fact that God has something for you. Okay? Now let's look over here in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Remember what the word of the Lord that came to me back on June 30th. And I gave you this. And God said to me, and I told you, do not be moved by the world. They can only dream of what I have for you. Don't be moved by the world. They can only dream of what I have for you. Tavion, yesterday, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson got a contract for 160 mil. Four years, 160 mil as a quarterback in the NFL. Worth about $176 million. Guaranteed about 112. Here's what God says. That ain't nothing. Now mama, mama hitting him on the side. That's my baby. That's my baby. God says, mama, that ain't nothing. I can give you 140 million. You never get hit one time. See, God is saying, don't be moved by the world. They can only dream of what I have for you. Now, I'm not talking merely about money, because money, money, really, money is the lowest part of prosperity. Do y'all catch that? Uh, y'all like, well, I showed these some of that. Okay, well, we're working at the lowest part then. We'll work our way up to the highest part. Remember, Jesus said, Jesus said, if you can't handle these, these, these. Little riches here, how are you going to handle the true riches of the kingdom? In other words, if you can't handle money, you can't handle the true riches of the kingdom. So money is the lowest thing on God's agenda in terms of true riches. But that's the, that's the area most of us have to start at. And work our way up to casting out devils and healing the sick. The true riches. You got it? So God has great things in store for us. So he said to us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, or hasn't entered the heart of men of things that God has prepared for those who love him, prepared for those who love him. So God has something for me. God has something for me. Now, Jeremiah 33, verse 9, Pastor Kim alluded to this earlier, and I want to read from the New Living Translation, where God says something very powerful to us. Because I want you to see the heart of God today. If, if, if I can hurry up, I want to try to give you, I might have to skip some of this. I, I need to show you the heart of God. Because I, I got I to get us past religiosity. That's, that's my word. I got to get us past this pharisaical um, way of looking at things as if something's wrong with receiving from God. That's a very dangerous mindset to the body of Christ because there's so much that we need. So much more that we need to do, but because the body has refused prosperity so long, we're at um, the mercy of somebody who will come along and help us. And that's not where you and I belong. You and I are supposed to not be the charity. 
We're supposed to be doing the charity. Oh, man, y'all better catch that. Tell your neighbor, don't be the charity. Do the charity. In other words, we're not always the ones looking for the handout. We're the ones, supposed to be the ones, giving the handout, rather giving the hand up. You know, p- people give handouts because there are limits, but hand up means I'm going to stick with you all the way through. In other words, I can hand out a, a, a hot dog. But the hand up, I'm going to take you. We're going to go get you a shower. We're going get to you, get you a haircut. Come on now, y'all in center. We're going to go get you, see if we can get you an apartment or somewhere you can stay. We're going to help you get, see if we can get you a job, get you, build your resume, uh, get, you, get you some placement, find out if you got a skill. Everybody say hand up. Hand up. See, that's where God wants us. That requires some change, some jingle. Okay? Jeremiah 33, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, says this, Then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before who? All the nations of the earth. That means all the people are going to see it. The people of the world, remember the ones we've been moved by? They will see all the good I do for my people. Oh, my. And they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. So God, notice this, gets joy and glory and honor out of doing good for his people. How many of y'all you want to make God happy? He says, I get joy and glory and honor when I can do good for you. Thank you, Lord. Then he says, the people of the world, they're going to tremble and with awe at the peace and prosperity that I provide for them, for you. They can only dream of what I have for you. For them to be in shock and awe with all the stuff they have. How many of y'all believe this? Just, just receive that right now. Come on. Just, just let, let that wiggle past all your reason. Let that wiggle past your low, low balance in your checking account. Let that wiggle past your, your, your low, low check. You know? Just let that wiggle past all that stuff and hit you in your spirit. I'm not, I'm not asking you how much you make. I'm not asking you how much degree you have. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, can you be willing and obedient? And let God prosper you. Isaiah 119 in the Living Bible, God says, if you'll, if you'll be willing, if you'll only uh, obey and let me help you, I'll make you rich. Now, he does that for his glory. When you read Isaiah 1, uh, beginning of that, it talks about, come let us reason together. I want, let's, let's talk about this thing, man. I want, I want to help you with some stuff. Are oh, you hearing me on this here? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now let's go here to the, to the, to the just to the matter. Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32. Thank you, Lord. I'm so excited about what God is doing. This has been a, man, a one crazy good week. <laughs> I'm just telling you, God is doing all kind of great things for us. 
All right, in Romans 8, 32, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 31. Let me, let me start there because I want to make sure I bring this out here. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Verse 30, moreover whom he predestined these he also called, whom he called these justified, and whom he justified these he also glorified. So what are we going to say to all that? What are we going to say to the fact that he glorified us? We're going to say this, if God be for us, if God be for us, if God be for us, so God is for us, God is on my side, then who can be against us? Now that's a rhetorical question because the answer is clearly nobody. If God is for you, then nobody can be against you. So that means nobody can stop what God has planned for you. Well, I'm worried about who's going to be in office. Nobody can stop what God has planned for you. Well, I'm worried about the company. Are they going to they file bankruptcy? Are we going to close stores? Are they going to close locations? That, none of that has anything to do with what God has planned for you. How about I come over here? What happens in the school system has nothing to do with what God has planned for your life. I said, if God be for you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter if your ex-boyfriend from 20 years ago show up out of nowhere, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, or some ex-villain who you just hated your guts show up out of nowhere from 20 years ago and just try to clown you, they cannot stop what God has for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter what happens to the economy. I mean, how do we know that? Well, the last six months. Did you lack anything? Why? Because God was for you. Somebody say, God is for me. Say, God is on my side. Okay, so then watch this. Verse 32 then says this. He who did not spare his own son... You know, this is a continuous thought here. But delivered him up for us all. So he's for us. Then he delivered him up for us all. For us all. For us all. So everybody's got access to this. How shall he not with him also freely Give us all things. So with him comes all things. So in other words, God gave him Jasmine, right? Jasmine. Jasmine. God gave Jesus Christ up for you. And if you got his best, if you got the most, then what is it to God to, for you to ask for the least? It's all included. Just like that five that Chris needed. It's in the hundred. You got it, Chris? It's a five in there in that hundred. Twenty of them. Now don't don't go slight. Don't go cutting up now. Don't make sure you tell them now. Tell them this is how money works. Don't go cutting up into twenty pieces. Now. You gotta, 
right? So, so everything you need then is in the gift of salvation. How many of y'all are saved today? Well, if you've already gotten the most, the least you could ever ask for is already in there. Are you getting this here? All right, now, so God gave him up for us all. So Jesus died for you. I need you to get this. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes. Jesus died for you. Now that may not mean much to any of you unless you're sure enough saved. He died for me. Meaning, for my sins, I should have died. For all I've done, I'm supposed to die. But he died for me. In other words, you got to catch this. He took my place. I was supposed to be on that cross. But instead, he climbed up on that cross for me. Thank you, Lord. Does that mean anything to anybody here? He died for you. Thank God I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. That wasn't free. Your salvation wasn't free. It cost God everything. It cost Jesus Christ his very life. He died for you. Are you catching that? Anybody ever had anybody do do something for you? You know, somebody bought you something or they cooked for you or they, you know, did something for you. Have you ever had anybody you know, human being, you know, that's still here? Uh, well, not they wouldn't still be here, but died for you? I mean, somebody you met them and they died for you? I mean, we thank God for the people who died in the wars and, you know, for us to have liberty and things like that. We thank God for those who died in, in movements and so on and so forth, you know, gave their lives, but Jesus Christ died for my eternity. Now, if that don't mean anything to you, you got to check to see whether you're, you're born again because that's what it cost for you to be saved. Now, with that in mind, he then says that if he did that for you, then how shall he not with him also freely give us or give you all things. Oh my God. Give me that same verse. I sent it to you in the message translation, just that part in the message translation. He says, praise God. I'm going to read just the part that, that applies. If God doesn't hesitate, didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So many times, you know, through this experience, my wife would say, I'm just, thank you. You, you know, I'd go get something for whatever. She'd say, thank you. I remember when she was pregnant, and I, I'd go 7-Eleven and get us, you know, whatever, all the Slurpees and all that, just all the time, just, you know, praise the Lord. <laughs> all kinds, all times of day and night, just go. But I would gladly and freely do it for her. Yes. 
Now, I know some of y'all only do that while you're dating. After you get married, now you complain about everything. You can't get your own water. Before you marry, you run into the dry cleaners for them and doing it. You just washing everything. Just, oh, yeah. I pay your rent. I buy your clothes and all that kind of stuff. Now you're complaining because they want shoes now. Oh, boy. No, it can't be like that, right? It says, watch this, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line, then let me go to the end. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? So he's already demonstrated to us that there's no limit to what he'll do. Go to 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. In the, give me in the CEV real quick. 1 Timothy 6, 17 in the CEV. We've read in the King James, New King James many times. I want you to see this. First, first Timothy 6, 17 says, Warn the rich people of the world not to be proud or to trust in wealth that is easily lost. Got it? Don't trust in that. Don't trust in money. Tell them to have faith in God who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. So, God's primary purpose for blessing us is to enjoy life. I wonder how many of y'all can just accept that. I got about four hands. Okay. How many of y'all are already enjoying life? But how many of y'all think you'd enjoy it a little bit more? Come on, tell the truth. If, if, your, if your bathroom wasn't, you couldn't touch wall to wall in your bathroom. You can sit down and put your foot on the tub right now. Right, when you do it just a little bit more. If you can fit a few more clothes into your closet. If you can run the air when you want to run the air. Now, I'm not hearing some, I hear the religious people. That, sound, that sounds very superficial. That sounds very, very, very... Uh, uh, but he gives us first, primarily, all things to enjoy. So Jesus Christ, John 10, 10, amplified. He came that we, that we might have and enjoy life, having an abundance to the full, till it overflows. So he came primarily that you and I might enjoy life. Why is it so hard for Christians to get it, get it through their thick skin, that, through their thick skull, that he wants us to enjoy life? How hard is it to understand that as a parent, I want my children to enjoy life? He, want, he doesn't want us grudging through life. Oh, it's another day's journey, and I'm so glad. Just another day the Lord has kept me. Those are the kind of songs we used to sing growing up. Just another day that the Lord has kept me. That's how I sound, crying. He has kept me. I mean, really, we didn't sound like we were much enjoying life. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. 
didn't sound like people were enjoying life. Because they testified, all oh, your those know the words of prayer, pray my son the Lord, the devil's on my track, turn, turn me back, and I'm just having a hard time at home, just pray for me, please. Ask your neighbor, are you enjoying life? Come on, wait, let, let him answer you, let him answer you too. And would you enjoy it a little better if? So the Bible says, go, go back to 1 Timothy 6, 17 in the CEV, please. 1 Timothy 6, 17, CEV. God who, uh, yeah, thank you, who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. Give me that same verse, please, in the, um, the message translation. The message translation. Tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money. See, that's what you don't do. Don't be obsessed with money. Money is a non-issue to God. Don't be obsessed with money. It's a renewable resource, isn't that right? You know, they say money don't grow on trees. That's a lie. Money grows on the trees that you plant from the seed of the word. You plant the right seed of the word in you, money will grow on it. Before I got this word, I was broke as Cooter Brown. Y'all know Cooter Brown? Some of y'all know Cooter. Broken and Cooter Brown. So don't be so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on. Oh, man. I'm going to encourage you to watch tonight's Faith Increase television broadcast. We're talking about tonight how, how God wants to load you up. But watch this. He says he piles on. Matthew, can you handle this here? Piles on. Piles on. You remember in football when they pile up? You hate to be the guy on the bottom of that pile. Get off me. Get off me. I'm going to kill you when I get off this pile. Who piles on all the riches. Some of y'all remember going to your grandma's house or your grandma's house, you go over there and she say, you like you hadn't eaten, baby. You hungry? And she comes and she pile on. Right? Overloaded. You like it that way, Tavia. I know you. That's, that's, you. You want to eat no little skimpy meal, man. You a little big old grown boy. You want pile it on. Notice what it says here. He piles on all the riches we could ever manage. Now, this is key. All the riches we could ever manage. That part. Is how much can you manage? First of all, how much can your soul manage? Because 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So you can only prosper or manage as much as your soul can handle. And the problem with many believers is their soul can't, can't fathom. Their soul can't manage that kind of money yet. Their soul can't see, well, I'm going to do with all, all, all that money. I don't, know, I don't know. I can't handle that, all that. 
All I need, that's all I need. That's all, all I need. There's a little this over here. Just, uh, just enough of me. That's all I need, selfish bum. All I need is just enough of me. You selfish bum. Just enough of me. That's all, I don't need all that extra. That's selfishness. Because you drive down 34th Street, you drive down 4th Street, you drive down 18th Avenue, and you, run, you see people all the time who need your extra. They need your extra. There are people like Lazarus, remember the story of Lazarus, who would do anything to get the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. There are people who, who could survive. If you let God prosper you the way he wants to prosper you, there are people who could survive off your crumbs. Y'all didn't hear what I said. He wants to bless you so much that there will be people who will be able to survive off your crumbs. Piles. He wants to pile on you so much. So how, can your soul manage it? Can your mind manage it? In other words... Do you have the financial skills to manage that kind of wealth he's talking about here? In other words, if you, if you, you can't balance your checkbook and you're only getting X amount, then how you going to manage when he piles it on? Because he ain't piled on you yet. So do you have are you able to manage what God wants to give you? Can, can you physically manage when he piles it on you? Huh? Well, what, what you, I got 500 square feet now. I can't hardly keep it clean. Well, how are you going to keep 10,000 square feet clean? Y'all didn't hear what I said. I got a little Yugo XL. And my Yugo XL, I can't hardly keep gas in and tires on my Yugo XL. Well, you don't want to move from a Yugo to a Yukon. See, you got to prove yourself faithful over the little. Faithful in the little. Faithful in the little. Then he'll make you rule over much. Okay? Now, so he wants to pile on all you can manage. Now, what I want you to get out of this today is this is all God's idea. It's what he has planned for us. We already read in Jeremiah 33 verse 9 that he takes pleasure in this. He takes tremendous pleasure in doing wonderful things for us. Y'all got it? Now, let me, let me tell you a couple more places here. Let me see. We, we can get a little bit of this in here. I want to show you this. Look at Matthew 7 verse 11. Media help me. For sake of time, I won't turn to it, so I let media help us here. Matthew 7, verse 11. Because I want, to want you to see that God gets pleasure out of doing wonderful things for us. Everybody say, for us. For us. Thank you, Jesus. God says, Jesus Christ himself, this is Jesus talking, he says this. If you then being evil, you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How many of you parents enjoy giving good things to your children? Why? 
You want to see them enjoy it. You want to see them happy. You want to see them smiling, not sad and just, you don't want, you don't, and you don't want to see your kids looking at other kids like, Do you? Well, if you being evil, that's what that means, and it says evil, in comparison to God. I don't care how good you are. In comparison to God, this is pre-salvation. Because Jesus is talking uh, pre-cross, right? So you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to do it. But you know how to do it. You just don't. You just don't. I'll just don't. I'll mess with. Don't don't tell him that. If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts. You know how to do it. When you was trying to date somebody, you knew how to give a good gift. So if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? How much more? So as awesome as a gift giver as you may have been, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask for? Give me John 16, 23 and 24. John 16, 23, 24. Let's hurry up. Oh, my goodness. John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus Christ talking still. Jesus talking. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. This is the day after he leaves. After he's no longer here on the planet, and that's now. Right? And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Whatever? Whatever. Now we know from 1 John that you must, chapter 5, verse 14, 15, don't turn there but you must ask according to his will. Right? Verse 24 of John 16 says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive for one reason only. So you can enjoy life. So if you like to enjoy life a little bit more, what's the hold up? Asking. It's a problem in our asking. It's a problem in our receiving. It's a problem in our believing. No problem in his giving. Because he said, if you ask, he won't give it to you. But you must believe you receive when you pray. Got it? Now, so we've read two verses here about asking him, right? Now, so we understand then that asking God for things is his idea. And what am I preaching about today? God has something for you. So he has it. You just have to ask him for it. And you asking God is his idea. Now, I'll show you this another place here. 1 Kings 3. I was going to read a lot, but I'm going to read, cut this down here. 1 Kings 3, verse 4. 1 Kings 3. Let me turn to it so I know how to cut this down. 1 Kings 3. How many of y'all remember the man named King Solomon? 1 Kings. Wealthy man, wasn't he? 
Yeah, wise man. First Kings chapter three. We're gonna start at verse four. I'm in the wrong place still. Praise God. Come on, Jonathan, get with it. First Kings three. Hallelujah. All right, there we go. And verse four. Now the king, this is King Solomon, went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. To do what? Sacrifice. And what does that mean? He's going to give an offering. For that, that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Now it's something about a thousand. I'll just I'll put it out there like that. Verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, and God said, ask. Barbara, that's just it right there. And God said, now this is unwarranted. In other words, or, or un, unsolicited. In other words, Solomon didn't give and say, well, I sure wish God would come and tell me to ask something. He just gave out of, out of, out of gratefulness, out of thanksgiving. And God came to him by night. And said, hey, ask. Ask what? What shall I give you? <laughs> Other words, God says, I have a whole load of stuff. I have anything you can want. Anything you could ask for, what do you want? It's, it's be, be like, be like the, if the waiter came to you at the restaurant and said, hey, what, what would you have? What, what, would, you, what would you like? <laughs> God comes to him and says, Ask, what shall I give you? So I want you to see here that asking is God's idea. You got it? Verse 6, Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart. You have continued with his great kindness for him, and you have given him a, on a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. He gets down here and goes through a few more verses, and down here in verse um, Nine, watch what he says. Watch, watch Solomon's prayer request. You being deep and wonderful. You being deep and wonderful. God himself appears and says, ask, what do you want? Tell me anything you want. You name it, you can have it. And Solomon is deep and wonderful. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge the people that I may discern between good and evil for what is for who is able to judge this great people of yours. And God says, verse 10, the speech pleased him. Like, Lord, that's nice. Okay. That's nice, Solomon. That's nice of you to ask something like that. That's wonderful. Okay. That's deep and wonderful. Verse 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to, be, to, be, to discern justice. Behold, okay, I'll give you all that stuff. I've done according to your words. See, I've given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. I'll give you all that stuff. That's nice. Verse 13, and I have also given you what you have not asked. 
both riches and honor so that there shall not be anyone like you among, among you all among all the kings all your days. That's why when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, she fainted. Because God not only gave Solomon wisdom that he asked for, an understanding heart that he asked for, he gave him what he didn't ask for. What he was really trying to get across to him. Did y'all see? Did y'all catch that? When God came and said to Solomon, ask, what shall I give you? God wasn't thinking about wisdom. God's already given him wisdom. That was a given. I need you gotta have wisdom to lead my people. I'm going, I'm you know, that's what, I'm I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to I'm trying to set you up. Because your wisdom people can't see. But when I load you up, people can see. Yo, no, 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 people can see wisdom. The Bible says a man will be commended according to his wisdom. The Bible says, Solomon wrote it, with wisdom come riches and honor. It's not the wisdom that people see, it's the riches and honor that people see. When the queen of Sheba fainted, the Bible says she heard his wisdom. But she saw. Are y'all getting this here? So it's God's idea. All right. Let me give you. Let me just finish this. Because I want to make sure that we're not religious. Because religious people act as if if God does something for someone, they'll walk away from God. So they try to discourage you from expecting anything from God. But I remember I just showed you here that asking was God's idea. Give me Romans 2 verse 4. Romans 2 verse 4. You got to see this here. Here's Paul talking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to leave him? What? Oh, was it? Leads you to what? So religion will teach you that God's goodness, if he's too good to you, you'll leave him. You'll, you'll walk away from God. That's not what the Spirit of the Lord says. He says his goodness. Now, people who walk away is because they somehow thought they did it. That's why it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, don't, don't get up here all this land and act like you did this by your own power. Don't get in your good neighborhood, your good job, your good whatever you have, and all of a sudden act like it's because your degree and because of all your connections, because all your expertise that you did this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, right? So then his goodness leads you to repentance. 
Give me the same verse, Amplify, real quick. I'm going to go through this real quick, Kirk. Amplify, real quick, same verse. Or are you so blind and, and so trifling? I'll, I'll put that in there myself. <laughs> Trifle with and presume upon and despise, underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience. Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind and inner man to accept God's will? So when God shows you extreme kindness, the intent is that you turn to him. All right, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. Give me the CEV, same thing. You surely don't think much of God's wonderful goodness or of his patience and willingness to put up with you. Don't you know that the reason, the reason, the reason, Stephen, God is good to you is because he wants you to turn to him? Tell your neighbor the reason God is good to you is because he wants you back. He wants you closer than you've ever been. What? Come on now. So he keeps lavishing his goodness on you. He keeps lavishing his love on you. He keeps showing you abundance, man. I know for me every time God does something, man, I'm just thanking Lord. I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't get less thankful. Every blessing he puts upon me, I don't, I don't get less, less respectful, less, less reverential of God. I fall in love with him over and over and over again. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for opening the door. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for supplying my needs. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to serve you more today than I did yesterday. Because I know it wasn't me. Remember last week I was telling you about the $700 light bill? You think I was bragging? Who in their right mind will brag about a hot light bill? Ain't nobody bragging about no light bill. If I'm going to brag, I'm going to say, man, my light bill went about $40 this month. Well, that's, that's when you brag. That's when you brag. I went about $40. I got over on them jokers right there, boy. They thought they had me, but I had $40. That's when you, you don't brag about a hot light bill. No. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. You blessed me to have enough to pay. with. thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to keep on serving you. Because I can't go without air. I need that air conditioning on. Give me that same verse. One, one last place here. The passion generation. Passion. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? I remember in, in it was the year 1999. 1990, 1999. And uh, I'd, I'd taken, at that time, Kim out on our first date. And maybe a couple days by then. And so, uh, I knew I liked her, but I didn't know she liked me. Then I found out she kind of liked me back, right? So then we decide, okay, I guess we're going to try to make a go of it. 
And we were out there one day. It's, it must have been, our, I guess, our second church anniversary or something like that. We're out there at Williams Park. And she came out there in that blue suit. I remember that, little, that blue suit you had on. It was nice. Fine. I was like, woo-hoo-wee. First lady. So um, she showed up. And, and, uh, and I'm, I remember I'm busy. We had to, you know, feeding the homeless. We're doing all this stuff right there. And she came by. And I said, girl, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I said, I'm going to treat you so good, you're going to have to love me. Is it working? Is it working so far? It's working. I've been treating her so good, she got to love me. I'm going to treat you so good, you have to love me. 20 years later, I'm trying to treat her so good, she have to love me. You came by love. This God says, I do all this stuff to melt your heart. I bless you, God says, Jasmine, to melt your heart. Miss Leanne, God says, I want to bless you so I can melt your heart. I don't ever want your heart a heart towards me. I don't want your heart cold towards me. So I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm going to do you good. I'm going to surprise you from time to time with something, something that you didn't even know that you wanted. I'm going to bless you because I want to melt your heart. I love you. Do you love me? Check one. Y'all remember that growing up in school? I love you. Do you love? Check, check, yes or no. Well, you hated to get a no back. Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord. Changing elementary schools, man. No, God says, I love you. Do you love me? I remember this one girl I was in elementary school. I used to go to uh, Madeira Beach Elementary School. Man, this girl, man, I, 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 I was trying to win this girl, man. This elementary school, you know, as much as you can win a girl. And, uh, man, I, I found out she only liked me for the candy. I was buying candy. <laughs> and then I found out this other boy was buying candy, too, and she was talking to him. I was like, man, I ain't buying that girl no more candy. <laughs> well, I was trying to melt her heart. There ain't enough candy in the, in the world to melt. You know, heart. All right, last place. This is it. This is it. Matthew 20. Last place. Last place. How many see that God wants to bless you? I want you to know, Robert, that God has something for you. Those desires that are in your heart, God has them for you. And Psalm 84 verse 11 says he's not withholding any good thing from us. He's doing this so your heart will be melted. He doesn't want you to ever, 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 ever catch this. He don't want you two timing. He, does, he doesn't want you two timing. He doesn't want you two-timing. Y'all know what two-timing is. Y'all young, I don't know what the young folk call it. We used to call it cheating. They still call it cheating. It's still cheating. Okay. It's, it's, still, it's still cheating. Way back in the day, they used to call it two-timing. Got something on the side. They call it side piece. Ain't that what they call it today? Side. They ain't that right, Caleb? Side. You don't, oh, you don't have one, okay. Oh, you don't have, okay, just, you just know what it's called. Side piece. 
God doesn't want you having anything on the side. He wants to be exclusive. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's what he wants. So he's just going to lavish his love on you, bless you, prosper you, increase you more and more, heal your body, give you a sweet night's sleep. Won't he do it? Matthew 20, verse 29 to 34. Watch this. Now as they, Jesus and his disciples, went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Let's keep going, please. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, Lord, O Lord, son of David. Then the other two warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, watch this question. What do you want me to do for you? Hallelujah. Notice he poses the question. What do you want me to do for you? Now some of you might be super deep. And you might be thinking, well, they're blind. Duh. What do you think he wants, they want you to do for them? No, but it was open. He asked them, what do you want me to do? I mean, because he could heal blindness and make them rich. He could, he could do. They're on the roadside begging. Normally people on the roadside begging are going to ask for a handout. So he has to ask them, what do you want me to do for you? And that's what the Lord is asking every one of us today. What do you want me to do for you? Because I have something for you. Like he said to Solomon, ask. What shall I do for you? So they asked, he asked, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Now, if you're religious, religious people would have a problem because to ask for their eyes to be open is all about them. Am I right? But what did he ask? His question was, what do you want me to do for you? His first question to them was, was not, will you follow me? His first question to them was not, will you join my church? His first, the first time they've heard his voice was, what do you want me to do for you? Now, religion will make you think that it's selfish for you to ask God to do something for you. And yet, that's the very first words out of Jesus' mouth to them. What do you want me to do for you? You name it. Whatever you want me to do. So they come out with their response. Go back to verse, verse uh, 33. Verse 33, please. They said to him, Lord, that our eyes might be open. They didn't say, Lord, um, bless all the children in the world with peace and 
Lord, praying for that you would touch all the people all over the world and all those who are in need right now, go, go down, buy visits, stop by hospital and, you know, all this. No, they said, Lord, we want our eyes open. And so watch the next verse, verse 34, 34. So we had compassion on, on them and touched their eyes. Now, what, what did they ask for? What, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. When they were crying out first, what were they saying? Have mercy. When he responded, he had compassion. That means he acted out that mercy to them. That mercy was just, hey, be kind to us. That compassion was out of the bowels of, of him. He did something. So that means he went far over. He dug deep and brought out something that it went beyond the mercy that they were asking for. He had compassion and touched their eyes. He touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight. And they went on and left. They quit church. When they asked for something and the Lord gave them what they asked for, they followed him. Because if you realize where your blessings come from, when you realize where all your help comes from, you're not going to receive from God and walk out on him. You're going to receive from God and follow him all the more. exactly what these men did. They received what they needed from the Lord and they followed him. Now why did he give them what they asked for? Because he wanted them healed. Give me, he wanted you healed. You don't have to beg God for anything. He wants you healed. He wants you prosperous. He wants you blessed. He wants you walking in his fullness. He wants you smiling. He wants you enjoying life. He wants you giggling. He wants you grinning from ear to ear. He wants you strong. He wants you sleeping at night peacefully. He wants you uh, clothing in your right mind. He wants it. He says, so just ask me. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. What are we going to do? When we get it, we're going to follow him. I'm not going to follow money. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to stay right there on, at his footsteps. So God has something for you today. Hopefully you've already let him do the work inside you so that when he does what he wants to do and what you want him to do for you, you already have it in your heart, I'm going to follow the Lord all the way. We used to sing a song back in the old days, I'm going with Jesus all the way. Makes no difference what the people say, I'm going with Jesus. How many of y'all have that same testimony today? I'm going with Jesus all the way. If that's your mindset, then along the way, whatever you need, whatever you desire, just ask him. He says, I'll give it to you. Amen? You receive that today? Give God a great hand of praise today as you receive that word. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Come on, give God a great praise right now. Let him know you received that word today. All right, the hour is late. We're going to do... Uh, the Lord's Supper right now and we're going to do it just a little different we're going to pray 
and then I'll have you uh, I'll have